When I'm working across the operating table with another North Korean surgeon, we're bumping our heads against each other, working on the same team to fight a common enemy, disease and injury. The words of a Korean-American neurosurgeon who's been making regular trips to Pyongyang to train surgeons there for over a decade. His way of so-called paying it forward. Let's now welcome on the line Dr. Ki Park, the Paul Farmer Global Surgery Scholar at the Department of Global Health and Social Medicine at Harvard Medical School, Director of DPRK Programs for the Korean American Medical Association. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You kind of bumped heads with this issue repeatedly as well, haven't you? Balancing the the challenges of connecting with North Korea with the with the challenges that uh, we all face geopolitically in in how to best treat North Korea over its nuclear and missile uh, deterrent and attempted development. How did you feel about the sudden turnaround this year with the the marching of the unified teams at the PyeongChang Winter Olympics, the the joint women's hockey team and so on? Well, (laughs) That's a great question. I, I will answer that just simply as a person with Korean heritage. I love seeing that. Uh, we are one country. Uh, we should always be one country. It's unfortunate we are divided. And when we see the North and South Koreans together, uh, even for a sport event like the Olympics, it just brings you this warm feeling in your heart, right? Uh, yeah, it was just a really moment of hope, a moment of unity. Uh, and I'd like to see more of that. It must be reminiscent of what you do when you're working directly with North Korean counterparts in the North. Yeah, in, in, a, in, a, in a so it's like the hockey team, right? The women's hockey team. Mm. They combined, and then they, they, they scored a goal, of course, uh, uh, against Japan, which was a bonus. Uh, but they were working together against a common opponent. And when you do that, all barriers just fall apart. You're just part of the same team. And it's that solidarity uh, that brings this level of trust, uh, a new sense of relationship, a deepened sense of relationship. I wish others can really experience that. So just to better understand what you do, can you share how often you actually travel to North Korea and and when was your last trip? Sure. Uh, My first trip was in September of 2007. Since then, I've been there 17 times. Uh, last time was May of 2017. Any plans to go back anytime soon? So we get invited yearly, uh, twice a year. Uh, right now, as you very well know, the U.S. government has placed restrictions on U.S. citizens, and I am a U.S. citizen, and uh, uh, traveling to North Korea. So we need special uh, validation passports. Uh, so we have been invited to go in May. Uh, right now, we're waiting uh, from the Department of State in the U.S. Uh, issuance of these uh, special validation passports, which may or may not uh, come. How directly affected are you by the ongoing developments then? Um, for example, May is also a month when we're going to likely see President Trump hold talks with Kim Jong-un. At least that's the plan. Right. So we've been kind of uh, sidelined with all this uh, high-level uh, activity. We'd like to go in May. Uh, I'm not sure that the uh, uh, right now the, uh, the U.S. Uh, government has put a priority on processing our passports. So it's possible that we've been uh, uh, somewhat uh, deprioritized with all the sudden activity. 
So we're affected it maybe from an administrative standpoint. Um, as far as uh, uh, the talks themselves, I think there's a, a sort of an enticing chance that uh, certain types of uh, what I would consider cultural, health, sports type of exchanges may be one of the first fruits of uh, any kind of engagement. Uh, similar to the ping pong diplomacy, uh, the U.S. Uh, Russia, they started off with uh, uh, Soviet Union, rather, in the 70s uh, with health cooperative agreement. So we're, I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful that uh, if they walk away from the table from these talks, maybe uh, they could uh, at least agree on let's, let's do some health exchanges. And then hopefully we'll be part of that team. The fear might be, though, that it goes completely in the opposite direction. Um, without wanting to put you on the spot and make you feel embarrassed, just how crucial is the work that you do in North Korea? I wouldn't say that it's crucial in the sense that uh, without our assistance or our, our uh, exchange program, the North Korean uh, doctors will not be able to provide the care that they need to provide. I, I, so I don't think we're in sort of a, without us, it's, it, it will, it will uh, crumble. That's not really the, uh, the case. Uh, but having established a relationship with North Korean doctors over the last 10 years, we like to keep this relationship sustained, and I hate to see it uh, go away. So are you actually quite impressed by some of the medical facilities and expertise of the surgeons there? Well, there's two questions. In the facilities, uh, we can talk about that. But I would uh, uh, first uh, address the second part, which is the skill of, of my uh, of the North Korean colleagues. They're superb surgeons, uh, the, at least the ones that I've had a chance to work with. Technically, uh, their operating skills are second to none. Uh, and as well as their commitment to detail and uh, uh, conscientiousness of, of the surgeons in taking care of the patients after the surgery. On the facility side, though, it suggests that uh, you're not as enamored by those there. Yeah, um, this is. Uh, I get asked this question a lot, and uh, I will tell you a, a, a story. I used to get uh, so whenever the visiting surgeons come. Uh, it's no different than anywhere else. We want the, the, the hosts want to put on a very, um, uh, they want to welcome them and make them comfortable. And uh, ordinarily, uh, as, as a surgeon, the first instrument that's handed to us is a scalpel. And uh, one time I was given a scalpel that was not fresh. It was, it was actually re-sterilized and then uh, it had gotten dull. So, you know, something like that, it costs very little, uh, but... The uh, North Koreans, they are so, uh, their, their supplies are so limited, so they try to reuse as much as possible. You know, they, they have uh, what Paul Farmer calls, they have socialized to scarcity, you know, and this is part of their culture now. And, uh, you know, I've never used a, a, a blade that's been used before, but now I'm getting used to it. So <laughs> it's, a, you know, you get used to it. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is, they have limited supplies, and they don't. And in the U.S., we dis, you know, we dispose of everything, even if it doesn't get used during an operation. Everything gets thrown away. That's certainly not the case in North Korea. But do you feel that you're actually able to build meaningful relationships with with the colleagues there? Oh, without a, without a doubt, it takes time. Uh, but uh, yes, you know after. You, you you see it. You know, you, we we were sad when we when we're leaving. Uh, you know, in the beginning, 
we're able to just uh, uh, see patients, and then the next visit we get to operate together. And then uh, the next visit we said, can we at least go out to dinner after a long day of operation? And usually the answer is no, but if you persist, they'll eventually relent. And then the next step is to invite the operating room staff, the nurses and anesthesiologists, and we've persisted and then and, and we have been successful. And then ultimately uh, having a sort of a, a relaxing time after surgery, a social time, we do build bonds. Uh, these are, um, you know, you, you're in the trenches together, you relax together, and there's no question that we, we develop a very deep bond. Something else that I know you've talked about publicly is is whether sanctions are an appropriate response to what North Korea does uh, with its nuclear and missile provocations. I, I know you're not defending the provocations themselves, but um, can you tell us, based on your experiences on the ground, why you're concerned about those sanctions? Right. And I think when you say sanctions, the, 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 they have been progressively ratcheted up over the, the last... Uh, year or two, to the point where now we're talking restricting 90% of fuel, almost all export uh, uh, industries have been blocked now. This is, this, this is going to impact the, uh, the, the ordinary people of, of North Korea, and even um, more severely on those who are marginalized and, and vulnerable in the provinces. And I'm really concerned about the, uh, the ability of the certain population to even be get enough food, let alone medicine. I can just tell you that UNICEF, which has been in country for a couple of decades now, they just uh, uh, openly said, hey, we have 60,000 kids we have to feed, and we don't have money to do that. So this is a, it's going to be a disaster if we continue to uh, block uh, and, and try to put pressure to the, to the level that it's been now. The thing is, there's this argument that the, the sanctions have to be crippling in order to force change, and that the alternative is even worse if that involves a, some sort of preemptive strike or bloody nose strategy, as it's been referred to. There might be a third way, but it's not a way that's being taken seriously by policymakers. Yeah, and this is an area, I'm glad you brought this up, the idea that the policy tool is sanctions, but really... The, the people who are applying these sanctions know it's impacting the ordinary people, and it's considered acceptable uh, and to, to a degree. And, 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 and when is it enough? You know, I, I think uh, uh, we, can, we have to be careful that there are innocent people that will be impacted by these uh, decisions. And uh, I flatly reject that the policy of maximum pressure should include pressures that uh, directly impact the ordinary people of North Korea. We, I think in, in the beginning it was trying to affect the elites and certain, tar- uh, certain government industries. But now it's just a, a flat-out uh, restriction of all kinds of, uh, of uh, ex- exports. And this is, this, will, this is not the kind of... Uh, we're better than that. I, you know, we, we, we don't need to resort to these kinds of tactics. Dr. Park, it's a very delicate situation, and it's very informative and I think helpful to hear from your voice in that discussion no matter where someone stands on the debate. Dr Park, thank you for joining us. My pleasure.